Hello, my friends. This is Dan Jones, and this is a quiet talk just for you. Six months ago, we began this adventure that we're still walking through, the adventure of leaving behind a comfortable position with a more than adequate income and a nice home to do what Debbie and I were deeply convicted by the Holy Spirit that we should do. Some of you know the details, but if you don't, I did a quiet talk on it that I uploaded April the 5th. At the top of the page where you started listening to today's talk, you'll see the words, all episodes. Click on that link and you'll see all the quiet talks I've done, at least all the audio talks. By the way, that talk from April the 5th is by far the most downloaded of all the quiet talks. Well, well over twice as many listens as the next highest one. A few days after my last Sunday at the church I left, my wife and I were driving up to Saratoga Springs to our son's house to keep our grandchildren. As we drove up the freeway, we listened to a wonderful Christian song that came out when we were young people called More Than Wonderful. It was sung most famously as a duet by Sandy Patty and Larnell Harris, and that's the version we heard that day. As I listened, the tears began to flow freely as I was filled with this wonderful awareness that Jesus is more than we can imagine him to be, more than amazing, more than miraculous, more than wonderful, as the song says. I knew and still know that Jesus is worth more to me than worldly success, more than money, more than any honor the world could bestow. Few people had it better in the Bible, at least uh, for the first 40 years of his life, than Moses. I'm sure you know the story. Israel was in bondage in Egypt. The Egyptians began to be afraid of them because they were multiplying so much. So Pharaoh ordered that every male Israelite child be killed as soon as it was born. Sounds sadly familiar today. But the baby who came to be known as Moses had parents with a lot of faith in God. They couldn't bear to see him killed in this barbaric way. So they made a little boat out of bulrushes, put the baby boy in it, and set it adrift in the Nile River. As you may recall, the daughter of the king heard him crying when she went down to bathe in the river. She had compassion on the baby and adopted him as her son. So Moses grew up in the palace. At this time, the Egyptian empire was at its height. Moses grew up with wealth and prestige, the finest education, and wonderful prospects for his life and future. But at the age of 40, he left it all behind and fled the land of Egypt. He became a simple shepherd in the land of Midian. But God wasn't through with him. When he was 80 years old, God appeared to him in a burning bush and sent him back to Egypt to set his people free. We won't go into the details of that familiar story, but suffice it to say that Moses' ministry to his own nation, Israel, was not always easy. As a matter of fact, it usually wasn't. 
He was often rejected by the people for whom he gave himself. You will remember that while Moses was up on Mount Sinai communing with God and receiving the law, the people down below turned to flagrant idolatry along with open immorality. When Moses came down, he was very angry, and yet he went before God to intercede for them. God proposed that he kill all the Israelites and then raise up the nation again through Moses. That would seem to be a tempting idea. But Moses prayed for the people of Israel that God would have mercy on them, and God did. After his prayers were accepted, Moses made a bold request for himself. In Exodus 33:18, he said to God, Please show me your glory. This man who had tasted all that the world had to offer and then turned his back on it recognized true riches when he saw it. More than the glory of Egypt or any other nation, the glory of God captured Moses, and it was all he longed for. When Moses died, he died alone. There was no great funeral, no one to comfort him, and there was certainly no giant pyramid for him to be buried in. He died entirely alone. You might say that Moses was a fool to leave behind what he could have had, perhaps even becoming the Pharaoh himself. But later history demonstrates that he was not. When all the Pharaohs were putrefying mummies in their crumbling pyramids, Moses stood in glory with Jesus Christ on the Mount of Transfiguration. He was no fool. Moses' faith and commitment are remembered in that wonderful faith chapter in the New Testament, Hebrews 11. If you're not familiar with it, read it. Read it often. After listing all the greats of the Old Testament, beginning with Abel, the first martyr, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, and all the patriarchs, and of course Moses, the writer mentions some whose names have been forgotten. Listen. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. Not all the heroes of faith in the olden days saw great victories, apparently. Many were persecuted and many were poor, wandering about in deserts and mountains, living in caves. And yet it says that the world was not worthy of these. Why would they choose such a path? Why not take an easier road? Simple. They glimpsed by faith one who was more to be desired than comfort and ease in life. Like Moses, they got a peek at the glory of God, and having seen him, they were willing to forego all the pleasures 
this world has to offer. Let me ask you, friend, can you say that Jesus means more to you than all you could attain in this brief life? Is he more wonderful to you than all you can dream of, all you can imagine? Paul also sacrificed a comfortable life of influence and prestige to follow Christ. Like those others, in Hebrews 11, he suffered many hardships, but he never complained. And he never looked back and wondered if he'd made a big mistake by leaving his place in Judaism to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, after years of suffering and persecution, his longing for Christ was only keener. He said in Philippians 3, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Paul didn't long after so-called success in the ministry. He didn't want a bigger following. His only desire was to know Jesus, to know him more intimately every moment of his life. He knew that this treasure, which he called the unsearchable riches of Christ, is more wonderful than his mind could conceive, more wonderful than his heart could believe. I hope you know him today. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the riches you have given us, God, in your Son, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that we might be redeemed, set free from sin, adopted into the family of God, Touch my listeners today, Lord God. Give us a deeper hunger for God. Help us to lay aside the things of this world that distract us, that capture our hearts, that we may set our minds and our hearts and our desires only on the heavenly things. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, my dear friend. Thank you for listening. Continue to pray for us as we are seeking to plant a church fellowship in the Schenectady, New York area. It's called Bread of Life Anglican Church. We meet Sundays at 10 a.m. at the American Legion Hall, which is located at 1809 Union Street. And as always, you may reach me by email at father.danjones at outlook.com. God bless you.